Okay, yeah, we're, we're, now, we're now beginning a half hour in, and boy, did you miss out. You should have been here. It was so good. <laughs> we know where the ten tribes are, and we're not telling. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's start with verse 25 of Moses 1. Because now what's going to happen is that in a, in a revelatory roller coaster, if you will, he's going to have the vision, then he's going to get the, the doubt that always comes after those kind of things. Satan hits, he finally gets rid of Satan, and then, then the vision comes again. 24, Satan had departed from the presence. Moses, lift, Moses lifted up his eyes, being filled with the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of the Father and the Son. 25, and calling upon the name of God, he beheld his glory again. For it was upon him, and, and he heard a voice saying, Blessed art thou, Moses, for I, the Almighty, have chosen thee. Here comes a little foreshadowing. And thou shalt be made stronger than waters, for they shall obey thy command as, the, as if thou wert God. What, what's he foreshadowing? Part of the Red Sea. Yeah. So. That's true. There's another one example. Water's going to play a prominent role when we start talking about really prominent role when we get to Genesis. If we get to Genesis. Yeah. If it waters too far, we'll bring it back. We shouted for joy, right? And then, yes, and then right after that comes the war. Right. So I'm Good wondering point. if our spirits are picking up on that pattern and that's why there's so much depression nowadays. We still, like because our spirit knows what's coming? Yeah. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Like even though this is really good right now, we got almost 100,000 missionaries out, but boy, I know what's coming. <laughs> Not like we're about to go to war with Syria or anything like that. Okay, now. Now now there comes an important thing, and this is something that I had never spotted until the last couple of weeks, and when it hit me, I was was really quite uh, taken with this. Verse 26. And lo, I am with thee even to the end of thy days. Here comes his calling. For thou shalt deliver my people from bondage, even Israel, my chosen. Okay? Now, listen very carefully how this works. And it came to pass as what? As the voice was still speaking. Okay, keep that in mind for a second. Moses cast his eyes... And beheld the earth, even all of it, and there was not a particle which he did not behold, discerning it by the Spirit of God, and he beheld also the inhabitants thereof. There was not a soul which he beheld not. Oh, the vision is just ongoing. Now, let me run this by you again. Thou shalt deliver my people from bondage, Israel my chosen. And it came to pass, as the voice was still speaking, he cast and beheld it. So what is the voice saying? 
You're going you're gonna to deliver from Israel from bondage, right? That's the voice. What's he looking at? Is he looking at Egypt? No. Do you see him pyramids? That's probably in there somewhere. But what's he really seeing? All of us. All of us. If we're not careful, we look at this and say, he's going to deliver the Egyptians, or the Israelites, from bondage from Egypt. That's not what he's looking at, is it? That's just a little tiny, that's the most tangible, physical part of what's going to happen in the next, you know, a couple of years. Okay? But what he's really seeing is, Moses, here is your calling. Your calling is to, re is to deliver Israel from bondage, and he's looking at us. If we want to get caught up that Moses was the great deliverer, well, and you get stuck in Egypt, you've missed 99% of it. Because we are Israel. He's looking at the earth and looking at his calling was to deliver Israel from bondage. What bondage? Satan. Satan. And sin. And we're, we're it. Now, how's he going to do that? Wouldn't it be helpful if we had a cross-reference to like DNC 110? <laughs> Verse 11 of section 110, the Curtain of the Temple, which uh, had, finally had a chance this summer to actually uh, stand in the Curtain of the Temple. And uh, it's fun to look up at those pulpits. Go, this is where this happened. After this vision closed, the heavens were opened unto us. And by the way, this, this is happening on what day when these keys are delivered? April 3rd, 1836, which happens to be Passover. Passover. It's Easter, but it's also Passover. And we always talk about, wow, it's cool that Elijah came on Passover. Like, Elijah, how about the guy who started the whole thing? Moses showed up on Passover. <laughs> the vision closed and the heavens were open, and Moses appeared unto us and committed unto us, guess what? The keys of gathering of Israel. Okay? So Moses had a responsibility. You're going to take my people out of bondage. How's he going to do that? Through Joseph Smith. Any sons of Moses here? Sure. Yes. Sons and daughters of Moses. Anybody with the responsibility to carry out the Moses uh, directive to gather Israel? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Which, and, and remember, let's talk about patriarchal blessing for a second. Just a reminder, we've said this before. I'm always grateful for uh, Brother Lawrence and our, our patriarch, uh, who's quick to point this out. Your patriarchal blessing is as much an assignment, as much an assignment as it is a declaration of lineage. It tells you which tribe you are assigned to work in. Because people will come up and say, 
My whole family's uh, Ephraim and I'm Judah. What happened? Well, Brother Lawrence says, remember in, in, in Egypt, who did they marry? Each other. We all have the blood of all the tribes flowing through our veins. But when you get a patriarchal blessing, it tells you who you're assigned to work with. If you're assigned to work in with, if you are Ephraimite, your assignment is to gather Israel <laughs> from the four corners. Remember, that's what the that's what the the, the oxen are underneath the baptismal font. It's Ephraim going to the four directions. That's what that is. And as an Ephraimite, you have a responsibility of Moses to gather Israel in and bring them from bondage. How many have been blessed by Moses in this room? We all have, right? As a result of his work. He saw you in vision. The Lord is saying to him, here's what you're going to be doing. Okay. So it came to pass that as the voice was still speaking, Moses cast his eyes and beheld the earth and he saw it all and he beheld all of that. Now, we are finally now ready for the question. You ready? He's seen all of this and he begins to go, wait a minute, this isn't just about Egypt. This is about all of these people I'm just seeing in vision. Think this would bring up a question or two? Yes. Yo-ho. And it came to pass. 30. Moses called upon God saying, here's the question. Tell me, I pray thee. He's got two questions. One. Why these things are so? Why did you do this? And number two. How did you do this? Because he's so amazed by all of what he's looking at. Why did you do it and how did you do it? Are his two questions. Now, again, let's go back. How do you get revelations in your own life? You ask questions. How do prophets get revelations? They ask questions. And so here's the question. How and what? Now, here comes, uh, and I, I kind of love this. 31. Behold, the glory of the Lord was upon Moses so that Moses stood in the presence and talked with him face to face. <coughs> now, I believe there's a, there's a progression here to get this answer. First of all, he sees a vision. Then he hears a voice. Now, what does this verse tell you? He, he's glory, and then what does he do? He speaks with God face to face. Yeah, in other words, it, it appears that there are times that the God steps back and then that things happen, and then he's just hearing the voice because he's asking. But this is one of those times now the glory is back on him, and it appears that the God comes back in and they speak face to face. But this is probably most in um, a translated in a spiritual state, correct? Absolutely. That's right. Right. Now, but, yeah. yeah. Which face to face is it? Is it Jesus? This would be the Savior. This would be the Yeah. But I also wanted to, but, but let's take just a second. Boy, there's so much here. <laughs> face to face. 
this term face-to-face -face, will show up a lot. Uh, now, face-to-face -face means in, in Jewish tradition, um, and in fact, if we hop over, don't worry about doing Exodus 33, the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, and listen to this phrase, as a man who does what? Speaketh to a friend. That's very Jewish. Because what it's saying is, is that the term face to face doesn't always mean in the presence of, but it means very intimate, very close. The term goes farther to say, it's like if you're really getting this face to face, you can feel the breath of that person on your cheek. Okay? That's the intimacy that you're looking for to get an answer. Almost like a mouth-to-ear experience through the veil. <laughs> that there is closeness that comes. Intimacy that comes in being that close to the Lord as a friend speaketh to another. And when we're in that emotional, spiritual embrace, we get the answers we receive. Does that make sense? It's a face-to-face -face experience. Now, here's the, here's the challenge to you. How often are our prayers like that? Uh, an emotional face-to-face, -face, almost as if there were no veil, you would feel the Lord's breath on your cheek. To be that close. When went down. I don't know about you, but I've had I've had my pedestrian. I waited too late at night, and it's like, Heavenly Father, I'm really tired. Sorry. No. <laughs> Have you had face-to-face -face prayers where it was just so close because you're pleading with all? Sister Black, you got a new calling. <laughs> State Young Women's President. It's the same yesterday. Don't and he call had. No, I'm not. I, I am willing to bet that in the in the week since you received this new calling, I would guess face to face prayers have occurred. Yes. Because there are those times when we just feel so overwhelmed by things, and and we're pleading. And it's just like we, all, we want to pull him close to us and say, I need help. I can't do this. This is too much. And that's the face-to-face -face intimacy that when prayer is really at its most powerful. And sometimes when we're not getting answers to prayers, maybe we've lost the face-to-face -face contact. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So... Listen to the Lord's answer. He's going to talk to him face to face. And I love, I love the Lord's answer on this. This is, this, this kind of, you just have to picture real people, okay? And I'm okay, he's gone. But it's a, it's a real personality, okay? Uh, tell me why these things are so and, what, and by wit, what thou madest them. And he talks to the Lord. And the Lord said unto him in 31, For mine own purposes I have made these things, here it is wisdom, and it re remaineth in me. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> 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 
He does it so nicely. In his wisdom and it remaineth in me, not in you, but me. Now, but I will give you, I will answer this, I'll answer the second question first. Now, he's about, in a couple of verses, he's about to answer the first question. But he, he will answer the second question. And the answer number two, that's what I've got in mind. Answer two is, by the word of my power have I created them, which is my only begotten Son, who is full of grace and truth. How were these things, how was it, how was it done? Through His Son. You know it's the Savior there. You've got divine investiture speaking. In other words, these things were created by Jesus Christ, by the power of the Son. So is He speaking to Jesus Christ or is He speaking to I think He's speaking to Jesus Christ. Remember, this is Jesus had, the, the Savior handles all of this stuff, but this is one of those times. We have an experience in the, uh, in the Doctrine and Covenant where the first part of it, it says, uh, and I wish I could tell you which section. It starts off with, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am Jesus Christ. And then at the very end of it, it says, you know, worship Jesus Christ. It's like third person kind of thing. We, we deal with the Savior. You also can understand, when God says you have seen me, you see my son, there's so much together here. Yep. Yep. Okay, so... In other words, so answer number two, how, how did I do this? By the power of my son. My son did this. And we know how he did it. You know? It, he did it through divine investiture to a lot of people. He, he, he gave that power to Michael and others to help create the earth. Okay? And he's going to go on and say, And worlds without number I have created... And I created them for my own purpose. I'm still not telling you yet. Uh, by the Son I created them. It's my only begotten Son. Uh, now, and the first of all men I created was Adam. And then he gives you the... Do you want a definition of Adam? It means? Many. Now, by the way, Eve is also going to get this appellation. She is the mother of all living, but she's also going to be called many. Okay? But only an account of this earth and the inhabitants thereof have I given to you. There are many worlds that have passed away. They're all numbered and they are mine and I know them. Now, so, so here's Moses. And the thing I love about Moses is that he's so enraptured by this and he's not giving up. He wants an answer here. And it's like, okay, I don't need to know about the other worlds. I just need to know about these why? Why would be so interested in these people? How it happened and why? He's been given that calling. Sister Black, did you want to know about your, the young women in the state? This is your calling. Here are, here are your... Okay, you're going to be given a calling. Like, I'd like to see who they are. I'd like to know them. If I'm going to be responsible for them, I'd kind of like to know them. So you went down the list, I'm sure, who's in it for, oh, ooh, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Think about, oh, I'm responsible for these guys. Moses is doing the same thing. I'm responsible to bring these people out of bondage. Who are we, who are we talking about? How did you do this and why? Now, 
And it came to pass that Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Be merciful unto thy servant, be nice, and tell me concerning this earth. Okay, I don't need to know the others. I realize that's wisdom in you. But I do need to know about this earth and the inhabitants thereof, who I'm responsible for to bring out of bondage. I have to know who, who my calling is, I'm responsible for. And also the heavens. I'll throw that in. I like the heavens part of that. And then thy servant will be content. Then I will shut up. <laughs> just, just, okay, look, if I could just, I just need to know the people I'm responsible for. If you can at least tell me that much, then I'll be content. I can start my work, you know, set me apart, give me the handbook to go with that. Uh, then I can read through the handbook and I know exactly what it is that I'm now supposed to do. Okay? Then thy servant will be content. And the Lord spake unto said, Well, the heavens, they're many, and they're numbered unto me. Uh, they're mine. So don't worry about those guys. <laughs> okay? Um, and and as one earth shall come away, the heavens thereof, there is no end to my works, neither my... Now, now I will give you the answer to the first question. Why did I do this? Now you narrowed it down to something specific to you. Let me tell you why it is that I did this. Behold, this is my work. This is what I do. This is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal lives. Those are two things. Those in the celestial kingdom have immortality, or in the terrestrial kingdom, they have immortality, eternal lives, that's celestial, to bring past the immortality and eternal life of men and women. That's what I that's why I do what I do. That's the why. Now I, I wanted to point out one thing too. Behold, this is my work and my glory. I show you just Pop over to uh, DMC 81. <laughs> I, I, at, at Education Week, I had numerous people come up to me after classes. And they would say, where did you get those scriptures? What version are you using? <laughs> and, and one lady is in the middle of saying, i got a gift off. Wait, wait, can you show me on your iPad where you got those scriptures? And the guy next to her go, he put it in himself. <laughs> oh. She wanted the preloaded version. Uh, okay, verse 4, DNC 81. In doing these things, thou wilt promote greatest good among thy fellow beings. We're about to talk about what good and evil is. We're talking about the good, light and dark, good. Okay, um, and will promote what? Glory. The glory of God. I call this the glory cycle. Does the things that you do affect our Heavenly Father? 
When we do what we're supposed to do, what does that do? It brings glory to Him. Figuratively, and I think to a certain extent literally in a way that we don't understand. We talk about He's going to glorify us, but it's, my Son has glorified me. The things that you do matter to God. You bring Him glory as you do these things. Does that make sense? So I'm going to, this is my work and my glory. This is the thing that brings me glory. What is that? The etern- it's, it's bring to pass the immortality and eternal life. My kids. Parents, does that sound familiar? Just a little. When, when they struggle, how bad does that hurt? Oh, it's like daggers. Talking to a, a mom the other day and, and whose son has left the church and she says, I hate to say this, but I wish he'd died. That would be easier. And conversely, what happens when our kids do well? Does that bring us glory? We feel it. It feels like joy and happiness. And we, yeah. Okay. So that, that's the glory cycle. We're able to bring God glory through our actions. Okay. <laughs> we have 30 minutes. Have we got to Genesis yet? <laughs> sort of. But we're kind of in Genesis 1. What's in actual Genesis is 1A. Moses 1 is really the first. Okay. Now Moses, my son, I will speak unto thee concerning this earth, which thou standest, and thou shalt write the things I shall speak. Genesis. And in a day when the children of men shall esteem my words as not, and take many of them from the book, thou shalt write. Genesis. Behold, I will raise up another like unto thee, meaning Joseph. I will raise up another like unto thee, And they shall be had again among the children of men, as many as shall believe, meaning the book of Moses and Abraham. These things will be restored through the instrumentality of another Moses, who was also charged with bringing Israel out of bondage. Okay? Alright, so that said, now, are you ready? We've got 30 minutes. Now we can go to Genesis 1. <laughs> yeah. The Lord spake unto Moses, I will reveal unto you concerning this heaven. I am the beginning and the end, the Almighty. The earth upon which thou standest. In the beginning, God created... The heaven and the earth. Okay. Now. And the earth was out was without form and void. Yeah, you guys aren't supposed to be looking at that part yet. Without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. See, we're thinking about like dirt and dust and particles and stuff like that foaming around. 
And he says, when the earth was without form, what form was it in? Water. It was, it was, it was watery. Okay? Now, is this important? Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. Because uh, I want you to see how this process works. Because this has really deep significance, figuratively and spiritually, to us. Um, the Spirit of God does what? Move upon the face of the waters. Okay? Abraham uses a different word, and, and I won't take you to the Blue Letter Bible, but it confirms this word. The Spirit of God brooded is the word. Brooded. Moved means to brood. Well, that's weird. Okay, if you, if you, again, Blue Letter Bible. Track this down. What does brood mean? It goes back to the idea of a, of a hen with wings outstretched. A hen? Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. A hen with wings outstretched. And what is she doing? She's brooding. What, what does a hen that is brooding do? Gathers and nurtures and protects. While the egg is growing and developing and keeping it warm and all of that. So picture this hen kind of sitting on eggs and she's brooding it. She's taking care of it. She's keeping it warm. Okay? Until it finally emerges out of the shell. Now, now the Spirit of God does what? Broods over the creation. So you... I almost picture like, yeah, this hand kind of sitting over this earth while it's in process. Incubating. It's growing. It's incubating. It's incubating. That's a good word. Okay, isn't that fun? Okay, now, let, let, me, let, let me just interject one thing here. We actually, if we actually have four and a half, I consider four and a half versions of the creation story to draw from. Okay? We have Genesis, we have Moses, we have Abraham, we have the temple, which can be a little confusing because the temple is so symbolic. You take the, the temple less literally in terms of timeline and stuff, especially when you look at the other verse, the other books. But the symbolism, the power, and everything there. So we have Genesis, Moses, Abraham, the temple, and there is one more that I rely on, and, it, and that, to me it goes back to the idea of the brooding. Okay, and it is in Proverbs eight. Oh, of course, Proverbs eight. We would understand Proverbs eight, right? Lady Wisdom, speaking in a female voice, says, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, when the mountains were settled, and the hills was I brought forth. 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he established the clouds, he gave the sea his decree. The waters could not pass his commandment. He appointed the foundations of the earth. Look at 30. Then was I by him, 
as one brought up with him and daily and was daily his delight, re- rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth and my delights were with the sons of men. Whoa! You're getting a little bit of a description of the earth being created. Who, who is there also? Moses. Moses, but this is in a female voice. This is Lady Wisdom. So we get some kind of thing, and I don't know whether we're talking about Mother in Heaven or uh, Eve or you. To me, there is a, a feminine uh, power that is there alongside this creation process in a way that I don't understand. But it's very much there. The term wisdom through the Old Testament uh, is female, and so much so that those who study the Old Testament call this call this person Lady Wisdom because she's always female. And 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 in in uh, Proverbs eight, you get her speaking in the first person. So there is a sense of, it's just wisdom in the sense that wisdom was there at the beginning of the year. But it's interesting that it's a female wisdom that's, that's part of it. Is this doctrine? And covenants. <laughs> <laughs> a little Kevin doctrine. Okay. Yeah, but it does say she prominently. And that's why I say, to me, it is a, it's a hint that, again, sisters, when you think about the, this process of creation... Don't begin to think that this was all guys' stuff. That, that I believe that, that you were very much involved in the process of, of the creation of all of that. Okay? That was, this is how it works. We do, we do this together. Yeah. It had to have a woman's touch. You, 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 think, you think maybe Adam was doing the Grand Canyon and Eve was working on like the Redwoods or Tuca <laughs> the Flowers or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. It was a unity process, yes. Very much. Wasn't this the Torah written by Moses later on? Yeah, this becomes Torah. So, but these, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, the books of Moses, was written later on, so as it's worded, it may not be totally accurate as it happened. Just read it. <laughs> okay. So here we get this sense, and this is why I want to come back to the idea of brooding. Because women, you would understand the idea of incubating and brooding and understand the creation of this earth and the spirits moving upon the earth, moving upon the waters, and you get this creation process. Now, let me ask you something. I find it fascinating that when we talk about the earth, in essence, the earth is being created out of water. Okay, it's, coming, it's coming forth out of the water and the Spirit is working on it as it's coming forth out of the water. Okay? Does that suggest anything to you? Does that suggest anything to your mind? Yes. Baptism. Birth. What's happening at baptism and birth? Let's put those together. You're coming up out of the water as new life. It's there, and then the spirit was brooding and moving and creating in you. So, in other words, you're going to come up out of the water. You come up as new creature. You're you have been recreated. 
But the, but the symbolism is always coming up out of the water to do that. Isn't that great? So in a sense, we get this, this moment when you have uh, Israel. We're just talking about the, the, the literal part of what Moses did was to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then the, the chariots are following them. Remember, they got delivered. Now comes the, the doubts and everything. Here comes the chariots. And then they're up against the Red Sea. And then what happens? It parts. They're going to go down through the water. And then they're going to come up as new. They are new creatures. They have emerged from the water. That's the moment when Moses says, Great, let's get you to Sinai and introduce you to God. You become a new creature. Now let's, let's bring the Spirit of God down and, and get you guys translated as quickly as possible. And the people said, we don't want that yet. That's too much. We'll talk about that probably uh, November, December, where they actually reject Moses trying to... But he did. But he first bring them through the water first so that they can be recreated. So they can become new creatures. Isn't that great? The word creation has uh, has a say a root or Hebrew that means organized. It does. And so when we were in the Greek systems, we were organized in a certain way. But sure. as we come to earth, that matter is reorganized as the earth was reorganized. Part, part of what uh, Sister Baldwin was saying is that part of this being created means to be organized. It means to bring together. Uh, when, when Brigham Young was crossing the plains and he was really struggling at, at winter quarters, Joseph Smith visited him a number of times. And one of the last times that he, wrote, that he came, Joseph told him two things. One, um, have the people listen to the Spirit that it will guide and direct them and never lead them wrong. And number two, the impression, he said, the people are not yet organized the way that they were in heaven. And part of the process of creating this modern Israel is that they have to be reorganized into, a, into a, the form where I intend them to be. Okay, good point. Now, no, oh, we got 15 minutes. Okay. Let's see, that's verse 2 of Genesis. <laughs> okay. And God said, let there be light. God saw the light and it was good. Now this is kind of strange, isn't it? Why, why would God be going, oh that's good. Like, oh that's better than I thought. It's like you paint a room and you go, wow, I did really good on that. You know, and I think he was surprised. Why would he call it good? I don't know. He loves his work. Sure. <laughs> sure. This was, it was good. It's came back to him and said, I did it. How Oh, this is really good. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. I want you to, tra- I want you to take a Z, a, 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 uh, an O. Out of the word, and crunch it just a little bit. 
and see if it doesn't make sense. In other words, he saw that it was godly. If you can see it, and when God declares something as godly, it is in his likeness. Yeah. To, to me, um, he commands the light. Yep. Yep. But the and light it obeys. It obeys him. Then he has to look and see: Did it obey? Yeah. How and, well did it obey? And, it, and, and it, wow, it, it, it really obeyed good. There we go. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. And if it obeys, and it does, and it fills the measure of its creation, it has become godly. Perfect. Good. Perfected. It's become good. It's in my likeness. It is like me. Does that, does that make sense? Because you need to hear the pattern here before we get to like men and women, like Adam and Eve. And then it really makes sense. Okay? Because he's going to go through this whole process. He saw the light. It was godly. God divided the godly from the Ungodly. That the and this place is like the darkness isn't evil. It's just lacking godliness. Okay, you have a room full of dark. Is that evil? No, but it, it is. It is absent of what light, godliness. And he's going to separate out. He's going to put the not yet godly over here, and he's going to put the godly here. The light. Okay. Uh, and he's going to call that godliness day. By the way, anybody been to Nauvoo lately? Okay, seen the stars? There's a bunch of stars on the on the on the temple. Um, and again, the five pointed star, and it's got like four short ones, and then a really longer one, and they're on, on the off the upper portico of the temple. Okay, with the longer star pointing out. You know what that is? The day star. It is, is symbolic of the Savior. It's, it's, the, it's a very ancient scripture. It's on this, it was on the uh, Temple of Solomon. The day star. Okay? He brings light. He brings dayness. He brings godliness to darkness. Let there be a firmament, an expanse in the midst of the waters, and then the waters, and, and uh, uh, let's see, we're running out of time here. Then here comes the dry land, and the dry land is going to come up out of the waters. It's being birthed. Okay? And God saw that it was godly. It obeyed. And it's bathed in light. Interestingly enough, uh, there was going to be lights in the firmament and they're going to do a lot of things. They're going to be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. It will separate the darkness out. Give us signs and signals and things like that. The greater light ruling the day because the greater light generates light and the lesser light, it reflects it. Reflects that greater light. Okay? There's the, by the way, there's the three degrees of glory, in case you wondered. The greater light, the lesser light, and the stars. They're right there. Uh, all right. 
I'm hustling because we're about out of time. Okay, here it is. Time remaining. So they get done with all of this. He sees everything. Everything God saw that it was godly. Verse 25. Now 26. Hearing <laughs> <laughs> voices. Now. Now it comes time. He says we're going to make a man and woman in our own image and in our own likeness. Those are, you need to understand that there's a, there's a bit of a difference there. Image means we have two arms, two legs, two eyes, a nose. They will have two arms, two legs, a knife, nose. It's our image. We, we are humanoid, if you will. We're going to make him in our own image, but in our, but also our own likeness. We're going to make them godlike, meaning godly. Yeah. The one Translated and they're writing this down. I mean, they were good about keeping Elohim, the plural, out, but you're right. Then he gets to let us. Oops. Yeah, it got through the translators. <laughs> Perhaps there's more meaning to the word us, though, because the intelligence to create everything. Yeah, but this is the Bible. Remember, we've taken all this, all the good stuff out, right? Because but, but you're right, it does. Maybe that's what it's saying is that we were all there. Okay. So, so I want you to keep this in mind because this is part of the, the... If you look at the creation as simply a history, you're missing the greater significance of Genesis and this creation process. Uh, Hugh Nibley was pretty good about saying whenever he looked at different societies and, and stuff like that, they always start with the creation process. That's why we start with the creation process in the temple. Why? We have to know... Why this was made and how it was so. So that we know how to become godly. To be good. Now, I find it fascinating when we look at the, If you look at, uh, uh, real quickly, over to Alma 5. Remember Alma 5? And he's talking about, Now behold, I would ask you, my brethren of the church, have you been spiritually born of God? You're going to come up out of the waters and be birthed. Okay? And then you're going to be born spiritually. Okay? Now, if you're going to do that, have you received His image on your countenance? Now, I think in this case, if we want to use the Old Testament phrase for this, it would be, have you received His likeness? On your countenance. Meaning what? Godliness. Can you tell if somebody's godly? Can you yes. see it in their face? Can you see it in their countenance? Their spirituality. It just glows, doesn't it? They are filled with godly light. They just glow. We talked about returned missionaries coming home and still glowing. Okay? Have you received his godliness in so much so that it shows on your countenance. 
You come up out of the waters. You've been spiritually born. The Spirit has been brooding over you, creating, incubating you to the point that you're emerging out of there and now you're looking at it and God says, I can see that He's good. I can see that He's been remade. He's a new creature. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Five minutes. Okay, one last one. We'll call it good. Yes, very good. You got it. Um, Cindy knows that I always fret. It's like, do I have enough information here? Um, I found this interesting, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, So when it comes time to be created, the Lord God... By the way, Genesis 1 is a spiritual creation. You get the the physical creation kind of in Genesis 2. It just kind of... Okay. Uh, Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground that came up out of the waters and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And, and man became a living soul. Uh, th- those are, there are two words there. <coughs> um, breath. The breath of life. Uh, thank you, Blue Letter Bible. Uh, Nashama is the Spirit of God. The, the Spirit of God was breathed into this man. But I love the imagery. That's why I say there's so much female influence into this creation process. Because the word Nashama actually is taken from the Sham. And what it really means is a woman in labor. And they're, and they're talking specifically about the, the panting. You know, especially like when you're in transition, you know. <laughs> Hold on. You, you know, I remember when, when our uh, last son, Patrick, was being born. And he's coming really fast. And I don't yet have the camera. <laughs> in the room yet, and, and the, the bishop and the uh, doctor says, we're, "We're ready to do this thing." She's at ten. The baby's coming, and I said, "I don't even have the camera." He says, "Where is it?" I said, "It's in the car, <laughs> in the parking lot." And he says, "You run, you pant." <laughs> We got caught watching BYU football highlights. On, we were, we were, me and the doctor, we weren't paying attention. It's another story. Um, so, so anyway, you get, this, you get this creation process, but it seemed very much the, 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 the Hebrew word for that is like a woman in labor. He's being created. He's being brooded over. He's coming forth. That makes sense? Isn't that nice imagery? Okay, last thing. And President Jones, you'll like this part. Everybody know that President Jones has been called to be the new temple president? Good. Um, now, finally, where does all of this stuff take place? Out of the ground, the Lord God made uh, to grow every tree that's pleasant. Uh, the tree of life was there. The tree of knowledge of godly and evil. You have to know the, the part of what the tree of 
Godliness and evil did is it helped men and women know what was godly and what was not. That was the purpose of the tree. Okay? Now, uh, we'll talk more about that uh, next week when we talk about the fall. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and thence it was parted and became four heads. That's weird. You know, so, so there was, and then it's going to tell you, it's Pison, uh, I've never heard of Belilium in 12. Uh, there's Gahon, there's the Decal. And in, in other words, the, the, the thing that's important here, the thing I want to finish with, is just the sense that the Garden of Eden had four rivers, and the heads were in the Garden of Eden, and then the water flowed out in four directions from the Garden of Eden. Does that make sense? Okay, now, for the Garden of Eden to have four river heads in them, and rivers flow out of them, topologically speaking, well, yeah, the water, the heads, the, the springs were there in the Garden of Eden. What, where would the Garden of Eden have had to have been? On a mountain. Absolutely. In other words, this would have had to have been raised up enough as a mountain experience. And that's one of the reasons why we look at the Garden of Eden where things are being created and there's new life being formed and flowing out from that. The Garden of Eden was the first would it make sense to you this, and we'll do this in closing, that mountains were the first symbolic part of it until the Rex and temples created, that the temple would be a place of creation and recreation. We're being taught what is being created, but we are being birthed. We are being brooded over so that the Spirit can work on us in that place and creating us new creatures. why we have to be washed. That the water has to be involved here. There has to be a, we're, we're being burnt in this place to then walk out of there and be able to go forward with as sons of Moses and of Aaron and daughters of Moses and Aaron, daughters of Eve, to go forward and to do what in the world? Bring, in a godly sort of way, bring Israel out of bondage. That's our, that's our divine calling. To everybody that has been recreated. So, in closing, I, I just look at Genesis and this is a creation story. Great, it's nice to know where the world came from. But brothers and sisters, it's us being created. That the darkness in us is being filled with godliness, with light, where the Spirit is brooding over us and changing us over time to where we can do everything that the Lord wants us to do. Why was this so? Why was it made? For the immortality and eternal life of us. This is how it was done and this is why. I bear you my testimony. That's why this story is so important to us because we are the ones being created. And when we are recreated, then we can be godly and be everything that God intends us to be. Yeah, it does. Adam means man and woman. It means to, together we are Adam. Yeah, good point. So, uh,
Again, church is true. This stuff is, is powerful. There's so much here that we have any idea. Uh, and I look forward to this next, I don't know, couple of years while we dig through Israel and find out our responsibility. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name.